it's something I have been uh, thinking about for a while, and it came from my uh, deep love of uh, courting defamation cases. Um, <laughs> it's uh, no, I, I think about Fringe a lot. Uh, I've had a strange relationship uh, with Fringe as a, like an artist and a critic. You know, I work as a writer. Started off as a as a critic mainly, and like you know, you cut your teeth in Perth, covering Fringe essentially. Uh, and I've always had pretty um, uh, how can I put it kindly uh, skewed views of the festival. Um, and I've been basically wanting to discuss the Fringe Festival format as a format uh, on whole for independent artists and like how it works, how it stifles certain forms of creativity, what's the kind of art it promotes and what it means to basically have like a cordoned off arts month uh, in a state that doesn't really offer much opportunity for the performing arts the rest of the year round. And then the Woodside stuff, of course, um, basically for people that don't know, Woodside Energy, uh, the mining giant is Fringe's major sponsor. Um, it's a bit vague about how much money uh, they actually contribute, but I, it's, the, it's the largest of any of their other uh, major corporate donors. Um, yeah, so basically they have this, you know, symbiotic relationship, a uh, bit of a alien thing going on. Um, and you're performing in the Woodside Pleasure Gardens and on these stages with Woodside behind you. And of course, it's a strange thing. If you are an independent artist to be tied up with this, you know, company that's like actively responsible for, hastening on the Holocene and the destruction of the Earth as we know it. Um, but there's also that schizophrenia that exists in the Australian arts where the Australian arts, particularly in WA, now, I don't know if it's a coexistence between the arts and capitalism and giant corporations so much as it's a codependence. Um, and the two are kind of stuck in this uh, toxic death spiral together that I don't think is fixable and that to me is comic gold uh. <laughs> i mean it, it it does sort of write itself doesn't it i mean even the as you said the the woodside pleasure gardens it's kind of like one of those things you don't really think about and you hear over and over again i mean it's not really no. what i think of when i think of woodside really it's not <laughs> that the pleasure garden yeah it's a it's a it's a, a stately pleasure dome decree kind of weird place you don't you know uh <laughs> Ple- pleasure, an orgy sense to it. <laughs> yeah, pleasure for some. I, I, I guess just looking at this sort of question of of corporate sponsorship, and I guess to play uh, devil's advocate, some would say, well, look, you know, arts organisations need to get their funding from somewhere, and the, the, you know, the generous uh, corporations such as Woodside, you know, in order to sort of to buy their their sort of their social license and so forth, fund uh, you know the arts, and if you don't like it, well, just don't go to Fringe, don't perform in Fringe. Yeah. But, and I guess you kind of touched on this, though. There's still this, this kind of question that Fringe really covered a huge part of, of the arts in, in Perth and performance and, and even music in a way. And, yeah. and, and that, that creates this sort of this monopolization on, on arts. And so even if right. you don't, you know, you, you can't really, as, a, as an up-and-coming artist, I mean, or, or as a writer, as you said there, it's where you cut your teeth. It's where you really, um, you know, it's your opportunity to get out to the public. It's, you know, so is, is that... I guess one of the main issues for you that you can't just sort of ignore it and just be like, well, they're a private company. It's their choice. You know, we can just sort of suck it up and, and not go if we don't want to go. No, I, I address this. Like it's, this is how the play opens. Uh, the, sorry, the play God, my show opens. Um, um, my character, my version of myself on stage is a very uh, toxic, like self-obsessed kind of 
classic like divorced dad who's gotten into amateur comedy type um but and is kind of pro the sponsorship essentially in a way or is too scared to really uh, be against it essentially um but i say up front that uh like i embody fringe as kind of like an east end thug uh as played by like ray winston like these are these guys that hold this monopoly and basically if i can cuss like what they've said to artists this year is like it's not strictly speaking a gag order right but it is in that they said, if you have a problem with how we do things, how we run stuff, what are you going to do about it? Uh, like we run this town, we have the monopoly on this. What other opportunities do you get to do this kind of stuff? If you have a problem with how we do stuff, how about you just consider fucking off? And that's basically what they've told everybody. And I think, I mean, it, it, it goes towards this intractable problem in the Australian arts. And it's not just WA. I think WA like a lot of things, is a fantastic microcosm uh, where the problems are hastened and maybe cartoonishly magnified. But because of really 30 years of brutal successive cuts to the arts, um, particularly from liberal governments and conservative governments, state and federal, the arts industry is on its knees. Um, and we have been shackled to these giant kind of malicious entities who not only like, you know, <laughs> get tax breaks and also get good PR for being the good guys to let us put on a bunch of like what improv cabaret and erotic shadow puppetry or whatever it is. Um, but they, you know, they, um, they have funneled us into this kind of uh, miasma of mediocrity because our art is, now essentially gagged in a different way is that we can't be super critical. We can't even be very experimental. You know, I find it very ironic to me that fringe is uh, not to go on, but filled with cabaret and burlesque, right? Which of course was the great avant-garde art of Weimar Germany, pre-Nazism. Um, and was, you know, wiped out by the Nazis, but has since become kind of like the art of the middle brow in the 21st century. It is the most like apolitical, edgeless edge you can get and i think it's the kind of experimental art that fringe and woodside are very comfortable with because it's non-threatening and it's not the kind of art anymore that makes you question something like a woodside sponsorship you know um but i think i don't know it's, it's that thing of it, almost every arts body in australia now uh, and i'm talking to someone that works in like comedy, theatre, I've uh, worked in like, television and, and, and journalism. I've worked on the other side of the aisle as a critic for most of my career. I still do. Um, everything is run by corporate bodies or ex-private industry people who have been parachuted in to an industry where they have very little experience uh, and they run it from the top down and they fire all the best people pretty much off the bat. And we're kind of left bereft. Like, we're kind of left um, without choices and without paths to go down anymore. Um, as artists. And it's very much, uh, I guess, while specific to the arts in regards to Fringe, it's, it's a story that's, of course, very familiar to everyone in, in, in many different industries. And I guess the response to this situation and, and, and a really, you know, it's, it's a very much a product of neoliberalism and the fact that, you know, we, we live within this sort of this corporate uh, nightmare in which, you, you know, every single thing seems to be under 
under the, uh, the 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 funding or sponsorship of of the large uh, multinationals. But the, I guess in terms of the response, there's, there's all these uh, sort of conflicting ideas in terms of what you can do. There was a protest, I believe, at the opening of Fringe. Uh, there are people pushing for an alternative uh, Fringe event to take place. And then I, I guess there's a lot of issues around that in terms of well, how do you compete with Fringe when you know they are the big dogs in town? You know how can you know three sort of hippies from Fremantle, you know, with all respect to them, organise a um, a, a, a sort of a festival that's going to attract equal or even um, you know any sort of any kind of attention in comparison. Um, and I guess what you've chosen to do is to sort of to to put on this show. Well, well it might be your last friend show. We'll see how you go in terms of the defamation cases to try and uh, I guess change the culture from within fringe or I mean what, what's what do you what do you think is an approach you said earlier in the show there's maybe nothing we can do and and maybe in that sense you know you can just sort of you know uh, poke fun at it to some extent but what what is your, yeah. your uh, I guess uh, solution or, or, or proposition in terms of how we deal with this this issue I don't think my uh, manic ego is at a stage anymore where I, I can offer solutions to anything but um, I'll be honest like I, I feel my, personally and the show touches on this uh, after, you know, almost, you know, 12, 13 years of working in the arts, um, this deep, crushing nihilism coming over me, which is not something that I've ever really um, felt before. Uh, I say in the show that I feel like, you know, art for me, I, I'm on the autism spectrum, and so, like, you know, um, the world to me has always been quite abstract, and the, 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 the goings-on of normal people has always been a bit confusing, but art to me it was always my, like, cipher, to, to interpreting this kind of baffling world uh, and my like lens. And I, I feel this privatization, this, this shift in the arts is having that lens removed. And whereas a younger me would probably fire off, here's what we can do kind of things. I, I've just, oh, I've seen it fail so many times now. And I'm just, um, I honestly don't know. I, I think, I think to a degree, the, the best response is to to keep making art um, that is actually subversive and critical of this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a material issue. Um, who who can make art and who can perform at these festivals is becoming more and more limited. Uh, again, there's a big section on the show about this, but performing at Fringe is very, very, very expensive. Like I'm I'm going to break even just, and I have a very cheap show relatively, but it is a big gamble and nobody other than the international cabaret acts are really making a profit at fringe. Um, which really means like you, you've got to think about it. I'm like, you've got to cordon off months of your life to really, you know, write a 50 minute show and rehearse it and stuff like that. Um, I've had a very generous help from my producer, uh, Michelle. Uh, with, without that, I don't think, you have much space for subversiveness within a space like Fringe because people cannot afford to be subversive. Um, and that, to an extent, is happening everywhere in the arts in Australia. I think what people don't realise now is the ecosystem of how the arts work is fundamentally broken. You can look at Fringe as a perfect, um, not to use microcosm again, but it is a perfect microcosm of everything wrong with the Australian arts at the moment. Um, you can start with how criticism works and how media works now. Uh, if you see people getting reviews or interviews with Fringe, they've paid for them for the most part, uh, sometimes in the thousands if they're in the West Australian or um, Express or any of the local press. Uh, you pay for to have your PR regurgitated now without like a healthy, ethical, objective, critical 
ecosystem without actual critics, you can't really have an art scene. Um, it's very much, you know, like, not to go on, but like, it's a very delicate system where if one thing stops working or if one, one uh, link in the chain is broken, uh, it's kind of unfixable. The rest collapses with it. And we're at a stage now where we're so far post that collapse that the steps that younger artists or alternative artists and experimental artists had even five, 10 years ago do not exist. You know, I, I think about this a lot as a writer, the, the first kind of stepping stones I had in student press and street, street, street press in Perth do not exist anymore. Um, and if they do, you're essentially writing paid copy for people. Uh, so when that starts happening, the rot is from within. And we're at a point now where it's, um, you know, it's just, it's gangrenous. Uh, and I'd say cut off the limb, but it spreads to the whole body just about. I think the only solution in Australia is good arts funding from the government, but we're never going to get that under a liberal government. And I'm powerful we're going to get that under a new Labour government. Um, Patrick, I'm almost hesitant to uh, to get you to tell us more about the show and encourage people to come to your fringe show in the sense that it almost seems like... You know, this sort of this nihilistic paradox. Whereas, do do we want to uh, encourage our listeners to to go and give money to Fringe? But uh, but I I think you know, certainly supporting supporting what you're doing there, and and at least changing the you know, I guess the the culture, if you will, one one small uh, you know burlesque show or comedy show at a time might might be useful. I guess just yeah. So I guess finally, what tell tells uh, when when is the show? Can people come along to it, or is there, you know, is there something yeah. else they can do? Are you going to be doing, you know, sort of private screenings in your backyard? Uh, you know, the, is there uh, there's, some other way people well, can support you shows. if they don't want to get along to Fringe? If they decided, look, they don't want to give their money to Fringe, is there another way they can support you as well? No, I mean, there's two more shows in February, um, uh, and I'd love people to come. More just, I'm not super worried about the money side of things. More just to. Uh, uh, spread the evangel, as they say. Uh, February 12th and 13th are the next show. And the, the show on the 12th is going to be filmed. So we had a packed house on Friday and we had a near full house on Saturday. So it'd be nice to, to get that again. And I will say, as kind of uh, bleak and kind of um, pedantic uh, uh, as I've been today right now, the show itself is incredibly goofy. Like, I'm, I'm a bit of a hypocrite talking like this to you now because the show by design is incredibly stupid. I'm pretty much playing a... Uh, Alan Partridge-esque uh, fail son version of myself talking about my 14 sons and my meeting my wife on a Mick Malloy themed cruise and um, uh, an addiction, a heavy addiction to Shrek pornography is a, is a strong motif throughout the show. So I don't want people going expecting it to sound how I'm sounding now. But uh, beneath the Shrek pornography is the haunting specter of late capitalism. Uh, so... <laughs> There'll still be some erotic uh, shadow puppetry, and you know you can expect yeah. every, all the all the good stuff that you get from Fringe will still be there as well. You know, yes, yeah, yes, not too heavy. Uh, Very much so. Thank you so much for uh, talking to us this morning, Patrick, about your show on Fringe. Hope it goes well, and hope uh, people come Thank along, you. and you know the conversation continues. Thanks for having me.